0: Well, in this passage, Paul is setting up a before and after picture. And he does this by saying who believers in Christ are. And as a result, if you are this, a believer in Christ, then this is who you should be. You are, so be. At the beginning of uh, Colossians 3, 1-4, Paul sets up this goal for God's people. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. You have been raised with Christ then set your hearts on things above. You see, you either live with Jesus or you live without Him. There is no in-between. And we are people of the resurrection. Jesus has risen. We serve a risen, living Christ. And we need to keep our hearts focused on things above. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Last week we celebrated Pentecost. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Ten days prior to that was Ascension Day, when Jesus in bodily form ascended into the heavens. And in Acts 1, verses 10 through 11, as Jesus ascended into the heavens, the disciples had their eyes focused into the heavens. And then two angels stated, Why do you keep your eyes focused on the heavens? There is work to be done on this earth. This passage in Acts seems to contradict to what Paul might be stating here in Colossians, but it's not. In Acts one, the disciples were—they had their eyes focused on the heavens. Yes, and they kept focusing on the heavens, and Jesus had ascended. He was gone physically. But they were getting distracted. And I can't blame them, though, for keeping their eyes on the heavens. I mean, this was another miracle that happened before them. But they were called back to focus on Jesus. Not ascending on high, but as calling for them on the earth. Colossians 3. Disciples again are called to stay focused. We don't need to be looking with our heads and our eyes in the skies. But we do need to see things from Christ's perspective here on this earth. We have to keep our hearts fixed on Jesus. And so Christ, through Paul's words, is saying, This is who you are. So this is who you are to be. And Paul, as we're going through this passage, he does realize that we are that we are still works in progress. But it's not an excuse to live a life that's not pleasing to God. We are believers. We are followers of Christ. So there, we therefore have to be commanded to put all that old life stuff to death. Paul says it like it is in verses 5 to 9 in chapter 3. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language from your lips. And don't lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices. Paul is not suggesting that we just try to look our best in public. You know, that surface stuff. And that way everyone can see, everyone around us can see, yeah, he or she, we reflect Jesus Christ. And we know that things can be sugar-coated. And that we can have our public self, the self that is out in public, and then we have this private self that nobody or maybe only a few know about. We have that outward appearance, and we have that inward person. But Paul's saying, don't let there be two of you. There is only one, and let the old be gone. If you've ever had rotting in your house, maybe windowsills or other parts of the house, you can probably just quickly putty over it and paint over it, and you can make it look good for a bit. And if company came over, they may not even notice that there's any rot in the house. And cosmetically, things look great, right? But because the actual rot was not dealt with, it would be a recurring repair that you'd have to do. And this rotting could spread, it could get worse. Well, Paul is saying in this passage deal with that inner stuff. The rot has to be removed. And if we simply deal with only the outward stuff and putty and paint and and cover all of that inward stuff, there's no fooling God. We might be able to fool others once in a while, but there's no fooling God. As Paul says in this passage, God's wrath, His anger is real. That inward stuff needs changing. So put that old self to death. The Ritter Church Renewal journey that we are on as a church forces us to ask questions of who we are in the moment. And when you ask that question in the moment, it allows us, maybe in the moment or later on, to reflect on things deeper. Why do we do what we do? And if this is how I, I react in a certain situation, in a certain moment asking the question, why am I reacting? Why am I responding that way? And people, the last thing that God wants to hear from us is "Is that's just the way I am. That's just the way I'm wired. Oh God, you made me this way. You see, Scripture is talking about that heart stuff. And that heart stuff is hard stuff. So when you get angry, what is it in your inward heart that's stirred up that outward anger. And yes, we, we all know that the Bible talks about righteous anger, and that is true. There is righteous anger, but there is unrighteous anger. And that's what Paul's talking about here, and that needs to be dealt with. And what brought that out? Or sexual immorality. What in you is leading you into a life of sexual promiscuity? Now you need to remember, of course, sexual desires and sexual relationships are a gift from God. It's in our DNA. And these desires are to be lived out in healthy relationships. But the problem is that humanity can also respond to these desires in ways that are damaging and dysfunctional. So what is going on inwardly to result in that outward behavior that is not pleasing to God and destructive for ourselves and others? Or Paul refers to lips and tongues and mouth. He talks a lot about slander and filthy language. James 3 verse 10 actually says, Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. What is in our inward hearts resulting in this dirty talk or cursing or slander or gossip? Instead of keeping our hearts, our eyes, our mouths focused on Christ above, using our mouth for His glory. And the list that Paul is saying to put behind us goes on. Paul's saying, get rid of that old self. Don't settle for that's just the way I am. In fact, we must renounce the old self, abandon that old life, get rid of that old life. And this goes back to keeping our hearts and eyes and our minds focused on things above remaining focused on Jesus and His will for us. Let's look at what Paul says in the following verses, 10-14. Since you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its Creator, God, through the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us, is renewing us. He is working on us. In fact, those in Christ are seen as one to Jesus. And we continue with verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, and forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love. Which binds them all together in perfect unity. So put on this new clothes. Put on this whole new wardrobe that that we've been given by God. The marker of the new life is that people can see the image and the reflection of Christ in you. You are wearing that new stuff. The old rags, they're gone. And this new stuff is not just putty and paint, it's not just surface stuff. And as mentioned, you are being renewed. And it's an ongoing process of renewal. That's work in progress. You are. So now be. You are God's chosen people. So be God's chosen people. You have been raised with Christ Jesus. So be people of the resurrection. Renewal now is not based on how we respond Renewal is based on God's initiative and on His efforts. Renewal is not based on our own efforts. And what we must do, though, is respond by working out the salvation that God has worked into our lives. Philippians 2, 12-13 Our renewal is based on Christ's relationship with us. It has nothing to do with our ethnicity, our gender, our work, Our sexuality, our identity is in Christ alone because He is all and He is in all. And when people are in Christ, the gospel does not classify people as humans do. The gospel breaks down these man made walls, and all the categories that we might put people into are broken down into one phrase that comes to us from the opening of this letter to the Church of Colossae. It's in chapter 1, verse 2. To God's holy people, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no human distinctions that could stand in the way of a relationship with one another and our relationship with God. You see, we are people of the resurrection we are people chosen and loved by god and when we are saved with when we are saved by christ we can live our lives as forgiven people forgiven sinners saints when we are raised with christ we live our lives as new creations in christ jesus the old is gone the new is here we are made new by the blood of the lamb we are made new not because of anything we did we are made new for everything that Christ did. 2 Timothy 1.9 Friends, you are in Christ. So be in Christ. Paul states that we're to clothe ourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. And these five characteristics are conveyed through both our words and our actions. It doesn't mean that we all need to speak and act the same as one another. No. God created us to be diverse people with diverse personalities. And sometimes our diversity will get us into trouble. But God has a way for us to properly deal with that. Verse 13 indicates that when people speak and behave differently, well, then there are more clothes that need to be worn. We're reminded of patience And then we're reminded of forgiveness. Forgiveness. For when we or others don't always live out that patience. Or that compassion. Or that kindness. Or gentleness. Or humility. Forgiveness. As we read in verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then, over all these characteristics, we're to put on one more piece of clothing. The clothing of love. Because love binds all of these characteristics together in perfect unity. So, what does it mean to forgive as Christ forgave? Well, that means forgiveness is one sided, it's unconditional. People may not even know that they hurt you. As Christ said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they've done. People don't need to apologize for us to forgive them. People don't need to do something for us to simply say thank you or bless you. Because love brings us together as one body. So, so what impact does the risen Christ have on us when we come to church on Sundays or during the week? What impact does the risen Christ have on us in our families where it can be so easy to let go of that new clothing line? What impact does the risen Christ have on us while we're in traffic, impatiently waiting in line at the hardware store, watching a trainee at Tim Hortons? What impact does the Risen Christ have on us at the party where we're encouraged to have one more drink or do that drug? What about taking our dog out for a walk and meeting someone on the street or having that server who continually goofed up the order? We are. So be. We are in Christ. So be in Christ. Friends, we are God's people. So let's be God's people. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you have blessed us. You have lived, you died, you rose, ascended into heaven and sent your Holy Spirit for your people. And we look forward to your return. And on this journey of renewal and discipleship, you call us to put off the old self and to put on the new clothes of righteousness. So work in us as we strive to lead a life that is holy and pleasing to you. Extend your grace and mercy to us when we fall short, and may we not accept that's just the way I am, because you called us to be transformed more and more into your likeness. You called us for more. Through your Spirit, may we be intentional of our actions and be used for your purposes. In the saving power of Jesus' name we pray. Amen.